I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to Burnley, look ahead to Wigan, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast, the 200th episode of the Board Breakdown with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We have the Board podcast that gives you all of your Board Match Day chatter in a podcast. And a defeat to Burnley, seeing Borough drop to 13th in the championship table, four points off the playoffs, and a second defeat under Michael Carrick. Um, Dana, 200th episode, um, so in the spirit of 200 episodes, how are you feeling in 200 words? <laughs> You're joking, aren't you? <laughs> um, yeah, to be fair, I could probably write that. Um, the next Fly Me to the Moon piece, there we go. Okay. 2,000 words about the pod. <laughs> 2,000? No, it's have 200. It's got to be in the spirit. 200. Oh, 200, but, yeah, 200. Yeah. Sorry, 200. Rob won't like that, though. It's 500 minimum, I think. <laughs> we can make it work. We can make it work. Uh, so how are you feeling in three words, then? Yeah, I'm going to go based on yesterday's game, process over outcome. I think football is an outcome-based sport and opinions and viewpoints will be formed around outcomes. But with yesterday's game, Borough were going to a Burnley side who were one of the best in the championship. They'd won seven out of their 11 home games, hadn't tasted defeat at Turf Moor and were the divisions and still are the divisions, top goal scorers. We were never meant to win that game yesterday, so I don't really focus so much on the result. It's more the processes within the game. And I think you could see clearly what Michael Carrick wanted to do, how he wanted to approach that game, how he wanted Borough to set up, how he wanted Borough to play. And I think there were certain naiveties within that particularly the build-out from the back. I think we could have potentially switched it up, but I think it's probably... It's the right thing to do because that process... I mean, the naivety, what I mentioned there, we're going to see that because we're at the very beginnings of this process, but further down the line, I'm hoping that that process will culminate into better outcomes, and I think that will. And it's, it's not so much the end of the world. Carrick said it after the game, the defeat doesn't shape our season it doesn't make or break the season I'm just happy to to 
join Bora on this on this ride on this process and we are going to hit a few speed bumps we are going to lose certain games we're going to lose games against teams in and around us not only against teams that are better than us and and further down the line of this process than us but it's I think it's as I said trying to culminate that process into better outcomes and I think I'm I'm happy to trust Borough with that. So not the end of the world, definitely not the end of the world. Disappointing because obviously we were 1-0 up and we we completely crumbled from there on in. But a bit of a trust the process sort of thing going on here, I think. Yeah, and that was 197 words. Uh, so I've got three more. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but no, I see what you mean. Dana, yeah, process is going to have to be, you know, when your management team come in, you're against a really good side in Burnley. Uh, but... The, the game was there to be, I would say, there to be won if you wanted to win it yesterday. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably come on to it le- uh, later on, but, you know, second balls matter. Um, Tom, how are you feeling in three words? Well, going into this, my three words were just going to be, I hate Burnley. Um, <laughs> I think even, you know, looking back on uh, that last promotion season where there was that kind of forced rivalry, I... Uh, I still can't kind of stand them after that. Um, never met a Burnley fan who wasn't just proper arrogant about it. So, uh, But I've changed my mind listening to Dana there, so my three would be agree with Dana now. Like, <laughs> I, th- I think spot on regarding, um, you know, playing this this way and, 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 you know, working with the process rather than, you know, looking at this as or uh, a bad game to lose or anything like that. We've still tried to play the way we want to play. Um, and, you know, for, for me, that kind of like, I've seen it from other teams in the division, like last season, uh, that first, no, the, the, the first game we played against Swansea, the home game, they were doing exactly the same thing uh, after, after their manager hadn't even been there for, for that long. And it, it didn't particularly like pay off for them that day, but they kept with it and, they're a better team now for it. And I think that's going to be the same with us. Uh, you know, we're going to um, oh, top of the league who've not lost at home all season and we've still tried to play our way. Um, and, you know, we we did, you know, benefit from it when we went 1-0 up. Um, but, yeah, it, it's like I, I always believe we should play one way and make the, the opposition adapt to that. I think the more we, we do this, and especially against bigger team, uh, well, not, not bigger teams, but like better teams in, in the division. Um, it, it was it was going to be our our toughest challenge of the of the season yesterday, and you know there were still a couple of positives to to kind of take out from from playing that way. And like I said, the the more we do it, the better we're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when you're looking at the game yesterday, I think with with Burnley's way of playing and how Vinny wants to control games through possession and trying to you know, play a really high press and keep the depth really high and just try and pin you in your own half. It was always going to be difficult for Borough to get out, um, which is the reason my three words probably second balls matter. I think beating press is easy, saying and done. Like you can, you just have to try and play your way through it. But if it's not, you've got to hit the long ball and then that second ball becomes really important because you've got to try and break, you broke the press there and you've got to try and get yourself out. And for me, Borough really playing that yesterday and we kind of just, we're really 
poor in terms of giving the game away back to Burnley because you know we did so well for 60 minutes um, and then Benson got his double and then Johnny House on goal and Connor Roberts got sent off when we still missed the penalty and that kind of summed up <laughs> our afternoon um, Dana, what was your thoughts on the overall performance against Burnley? Well, I don't think Borough fans can have any complaints, the better team definitely won I was frustrated with two aspects of the game. First one was that in-game management. I know I mentioned just then about the naivety. I think we saw the naivety within that. But then the second one was, I just don't think we were shithouse enough. And I think we needed to be yesterday. I really wanted Bora to play dirty and to play nasty because teams will do that in this division. And I think if you can't beat them, join them. And for me, it was the game probably the perfect game for Borough to really get under their skin, to rile them up, to agitate the home crowd and to just be a bit of a menace against them, to stand up and, you know, go in with that really hard tackle first opening of the game to really set the tone. I know it's a really basic thing to say, but I do think we were just too soft yesterday. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned there about those, you know, second balls matter and Borough just kept trying to clear and it came straight back to us and yeah we just had that soft underbelly unfortunately and I know we we went one nil up uh it was gifted to us to be fair I mean I don't know what Benson was thinking it was a very careless just aimless boot towards his own goal what more anticipated it and I think that was probably the only example of Borough actually anticipating in that game yesterday because there was a incident in the first half where McGree tried to play a ball to Housen, who was moving back at that point, and uh, Ian Matson anticipated it stalling, and I think they had a chance from there on in. But that was it. You know, the, the, the anticipation wasn't there. I think Stefan got booked for time-wasting, but that was it in, in terms of the shithousery. It just didn't really... Happen, and we have a whole island dedicated to Middlesbrough shithousery. You just didn't you see it yesterday, um, and I know that we obviously got that penalty towards the end, which wasn't a penalty. Conor Roberts did not touch that ball. It did look from the first view that he did because he motioned his hand over, but it hit the crossbar. Um, but I think even if Chirapom would have converted that penalty, I don't think Borough would have got anything from that game. It, it was a shame for, for Chirapom actually because if he did scored that, he would have contributed a goal or assist in. Uh, every single one of Carrick's games so far this season, but it just it, it wasn't our day. As soon as we scored, we crumbled, and I don't think we can have any complaints with uh, you know the eventual result. Tom, Boris' game plan was like quite clear. You know, keep let Burnley have the possession, try and contain it, keep a really tight shape. Do you think that was the right approach, or would have you done something a little bit differently to try and get the win? I think it was probably the right approach in regards to how uh, I'm trying to find the right word for it, how young this team is in this sort of uh, tactic and the way Burnley have been playing this season and the strength they have. You could see what we were trying to do in playing out from the back in that they were pressing extremely high. Um, you know, I think the the average position map I saw show about five of their players on the edge of our box, uh, pretty much trying to close us down. And then the clearances, um, you know, if they'd worked, it could have been an effective way on the counter-attack. It could have been, you know, a couple of quicker players up top who were, um, you know, getting beyond their defence, but their defence was still kind of quite deep in comparison to the rest of their team. So effectively nullifying that sort of counter-attack. Um, like I said earlier, the more we play like this, the better we're going to get. And I would be surprised if 
the home game against them this season is similar to that. I do think by that point we'll be better and we'll be be looking at a completely different game. Um, but yesterday, I, f- I think you just need to take the the strength of the opposition into account and you know credit the work companies done with them. They look to press us, and and like going back to to what I said earlier about you know Swansea when they came to the Riverside last year and tried to play like that. We were the same. We were pressing them all over and trying to stop them from playing out from the back. It was exactly the same approach, and it worked for Burnley. Mm. Yeah, I think with with Burnley yesterday, I mean, you know, it was always like clear that they were going to have possession as much as much they can. You know, I think watching on the left last year and, and watching him now, the same principles are there: try and control as much as you can, get the ball out wide, and and play it inwards. I think what Boris' tactic yesterday again, just about what you've both been saying there, I think. When you're looking at average positions, Borough had like a bit of a block within the forwards and in the midfielders. And what Borough try would help try and do a compact that midfield and force them out wide and get balls in the box because you know you've got if you've got Daryl Lenahan and you've got Dale Fry there, you know two players who are very very good aerially. Uh, you know you, you can get you can kind of get that away and then hopefully you'd win that second ball and you try and break with that who your wingers, but it never really materialised. I thought we were a bit too soft in, in those key moments yesterday. Um, and like you were saying there, Dana, try let let them know you're there earlier. Very cliche yeah. uh, <laughs> same. But I think sometimes, you know, with that, you've got to try and be a bit more shithousery in terms of if the winger gets it, you've got to try and well, not, put, not, not go through him, but at least you know, <laughs> make it difficult. Yeah, I think you've got to yeah. try and make it difficult. I think with Benson yesterday, we'll come to it probably, but it was a really poor goal to concede. But if you were there, you know, trying to use your shape a little bit better, try to move across the pitch in much more of a compact shape, it makes it things really, really difficult for, for teams to try and break you down. And you can see through Burnley's XG throughout the season. It was down yesterday, 0.9 yesterday, not point something for like a majority of games. But they do find a way and they keep finding a way making, because teams make big errors against them. But... In that first half, Dana, it was 0-0. Nothing really happened. It was like kind of like a game of chess um, because teams were trying to feel each other out. Borough weren't really getting out their own half. But what would you take from that first half in particular? I think I took more from that first half about Burnley. They had a lot of pretty passing patterns, but when it came to that conviction, they just didn't have it. I think that's where Borough got let off a little bit. I think that piece of play that I mentioned where Matson steals in, nicks the ball high up the pitch because of that press and because of Borough's lack of anticipation. I think that ends up with Benson slicing a shot wide, basically into the Borough fans. And then Josh Brownhill receives a, a ball, a deflected cross and he's leaning back and he blazes it over the crossbar. So I think, you know, for all their pretty passing parts, they just didn't really have that conviction in the first half. Uh, Carrick did mention after the game that he thought the Borough controlled the, the game out of possession, which is an interesting point. He mentioned that you don't necessarily have to have the ball to control the game. And I, I do agree. We did limit them to areas of the pitch where you probably want Burnley to be. They were trying that long ball over the top to try catch us out. They were, they had situations where the fullbacks would be coming inside to try to take the likes of Hayden Hackney out of his midfield position and then try to occupy the space that he had had left. But Borough's, Borough's shape was good. And that's one positive to take from that first half is that we really nullified them based on our, you know, the spaces that we were taking up on that pitch. We were limiting them to 
areas that you'd probably want Burnley to to be in so they didn't have that advantageous position to to hurt us so I think that that was a positive to take from that first half but I said to you at half time that it, it, it's not going to stay that way you know Burnley are going to breach us at some point uh, and they did unfortunately but the shape really good I thought um, because I think it's easy to get pulled out of position when you've got that off the ball movement as Burnley had with you know Matson, for example, but Bora were, were good in trying to to still take up those areas of the pitch that Burnley were trying to empty out so that they could probably affect the game through those central areas. But yeah, I think shape was good. Burnley had the majority of possession, didn't impress me too much in the first half, but I knew that wasn't going to stick in the second. And I knew that they'd probably come come a little bit more at us. And I think they did after we scored that goal, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll come on to the goal in, in a second, but Tom, Dana alluded to it ever so slightly there, but Carrick did say in that post-match, you know, we did control the game about the ball, especially in the first half. But do, do you agree with that statement? Do you think Bora did control the game, even though we, we didn't really see much of, it, of the ball at all? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with what Dan has just said there. We've <clears throat> the way we set up it ended up with Burnley getting the ball in in the areas where there weren't going to be as much of a threat. Um, one thing I did notice in the first half was that Benson kept being shown inside onto his left foot, um, which I wasn't a big fan of, and it's it obviously cost us for the first goal, but. For most of the time in the first half, he was being shown inside and there were other players there to cover or block. So the chances they were getting weren't exactly uh, of of good quality. Um, So I was thinking if we can kind of carry that on and, you know, limit them to low quality chances, there's going to be a higher uh, chance that we can get something from this game. I've been really happy with uh with a draw yesterday um but as as Dana said she said it was a, at half time yesterday it wasn't um it wasn't going to last and I, f- I think that was the the general mood um you know when well, I've been around my uncles watching it yesterday I think we were both saying you know that this isn't going to stay this way there's going to be goals in the second half and obviously we were right unfortunately yeah, it, it did. Um, and to be fair, I thought Carrick's sub, you know, bringing Watmore on as well um, was, was a good sub. You know, sometimes an inverted winger against an, uh, well, against two inverted wingers against each other is a good thing because you kind of like like cross each other out in a way. But it didn't really work that way because, you know, we still have McGrain on that left-hand side with with uh, with Giles and we know we were letting him come into the box. I'll come back with second dinner, but we did score the first goal. Duncan Watmore came on, scores uh, from a lovely pass from Benson, who was just everywhere in that game. Um, but we said on the last podcast that sometimes when you score first, it will come at the worst time. And it might not always be the best thing that you do score, even though the initial reaction's great. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it did come at like a worst time for Borough? Because it was like their only really chance, or only yeah, real chance we had. Yeah, and I think it gave Burnley exactly what they needed, that kick up the backside. Because I think after that they just reacted really well. I think in my notes I said forty-eight minutes, what more scores? Forty-nine minutes, Benson has a chance, and that's what it was. I think as soon as we scored that goal, and it was a weird goal as well. I mean, not only the unintentional pass to Watmore, but the way that he struck the ball, I was I was expecting Murich to do a lot better with that. It was strange the way that it went into the back of the next. It didn't feel like Watmore really put much conviction behind the shot. It just. Mm. I don't know. It was a very weird goal, I thought. But anyway, 
after that, they reacted and it was exactly that ignition really that they needed. And Bora unfortunately just sat back and we invited that pressure. And all throughout that game, there were warning signs in that first half that that short build out from the back, the short passes to try to get through the thirds was dangerous. And I know I said, you know, about the process at the top of the show, I don't necessarily think a direct response to that, to the danger that we were and the pressure that we were inviting on ourselves was to completely abandon that style. Because as Tom said, you know, it's good to be able to test yourself against the best teams in this division, playing your way of football. Playing, yeah, playing your way of football. But then I think at the same time, we had to have an alternative alongside that. So, so so not necessarily rip it up, but I think we need to mix our game up. Maddo was saying on BBC Tees yesterday, I think we needed to be, we just needed to have that difference at times. Mm. And this goes back to the, the in-game management and the naivety within that. We needed to identify, okay, we're under pressure here, we're under, under the cosh. We need to get it out and we need to get it out in different ways other than to just play it along the floor play short passes I think we needed to not necessarily hoof the ball aimlessly up pitch but just to alleviate a little bit of pressure a little long ball out wide maybe potentially just chip it over and and, and hope that that can just get bore out for a little bit so that we can reset get back into a, a shape that isn't so deep and maybe a little bit defensive and go from there and I mean it's easier said than done is it because I will say Bernie's press was very good but at the same time, I think we just needed to switch it up a little bit. And unfortunately, after we scored, that's where it really crumbled. And yeah, I wasn't mm. I wasn't particularly happy with our reaction to, to that uh, opener. But it was exactly what Burnley needed at that point in the game, unfortunately. If it had come later on in the game, you never know. It could have really G'd up Borough more than it G'd up Burnley, potentially, or just as much as it G'd up Burnley. But unfortunately, at the time, it was uh, it, it turned out to be the worst thing that happened to us in the game because it it gave them an open invitation to come back at us, and they did. Mm. Tom, talk to me about this this Burnley equaliser then. Um, <laughs> it just poor defensive, right? Can Giles do better, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think you should have shown him onto his weaker foot. Um, I feel like we were inviting it for a lot of the first half. As I said earlier, he was being shown inside onto his left foot, but most of the time there was someone there to block. Um, that time there wasn't anyone there to block. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, I, I do think that showing him inside onto his stronger foot was the wrong way to be going uh, through that entire game. If you force him outside, we have enough strength in the the centre back area, and you know Tommy Smith coming in from the other side. Uh, we have enough strength aerially that you know we can likely deal with that threat. Um, but I don't know, just show, showing a player who clearly has a shot on him that's going to work about one time out of five. Uh, it, it's 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 going to go in eventually. Um, like I say, it, for, for me. If you if you're up against a, an inverted winger, show him onto his weaker foot. Yeah, and and with that as well, like I just want to add to that. I think Carrick, although what more was the right sub to bring on, I felt like probably Munis as well to come on at the same time was probably the 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 sub to make because for me, I thought when well, you're both saying that he's coming in on his left foot all the time. Maybe if we if we were to push what more on that left hand side instead of McGree. Um, or put McGree on that right-hand side, or if you, whoever you want to take off, doesn't really matter. But if we had that inverted winger on one side and Milnes up top, it gave us two options. The two options would be one, 
If you're a vertical winger, you might have to, you might stop Benson coming in on, on his left foot because you are occupying the middle, middle space as well and, and, and the half space a bit better. But then also for Munis to come on, I appreciate he's not amazing at holding the ball up, but what he will do is give you a bit more of a vocal point. So if you did want to go a bit more direct because you weren't breaking the press, it would have been a little bit easier for us to to try and get forward and hold the game up a little bit more. But we didn't uh, give, you know, we, we didn't do those changes. And also for their second goal and, and probably, the, probably the first goal as well, Dana, Zach Steffen, he had a bit of a difficult afternoon. Um, this is to say the least, uh, you know, calls for him to get dropped. I think it was Josh Vickers' uh, tweeter said that uh, he had an off day, but his distribution is a key part of how we play. Uh, he's done well to get his head sorted after not making the national team when you get behind him as well. But there was calls to to maybe change him um, at, at the end of the game. But he had a difficult afternoon, didn't he? He did. I mentioned to you in the group chat, he's having a mare. I think I said that just before halftime when he had that Superman dive after he, he failed to, to claim the ball. Listen, I mean, I've not always been the biggest fan of Stefan. I think I made that clear on earlier episodes of the podcast. I think if people read between the lines of my messages in the Telegram chat around Stefan, they probably would have picked it up as well. And I was fully on board with Liam Roberts, not only coming in to replace Stefan when obviously Stefan was out injured, but to, to maintain his place between the sticks. But I must admit, I find a lot of what I've read about Stefan very reactionary because he has improved under Michael Carrick. I really do believe that. And I think yesterday was honestly his only bad game under Carrick. I don't think he's been man of the match. I don't think he's necessarily stood out as a key performer in a lot of the what seven games that we've had uh, under Michael Carrick. But he's not been bad up until yesterday. So the calls to drop him, I think, uh, are a little bit premature. Obviously, if you take the season as a whole, you've got a point. But I... I don't think he can. You can acknowledge it, but we've had a change in manager. We've had a change in style. We've had a change of backline in terms of the three to the four. Uh, I think Stefan is no longer playing that sweeper-keeper role, and I think he's playing a lot more with his feet compared to under Chris Wilder. So it's it's very different. And Michael Carrick will be looking at that. You know, Every manager does their due, due, due diligence. They have the resources to be able to look at what, preceded them and and came before them so he will know that Stefan has had a few wobbles this season but if you're Michael Carrick you're thinking he's he's not really let me down as much as he's helped me out obviously yesterday he had a stinker I, re- I really can't stress that enough he did have a stinker but to, to call for his head and want Liam Roberts in I just think is is very premature um so for me we've become very trigger happy with wanting goalkeepers to be replaced and I, I'm not surprised because we have Marcus Bettinelli and Joel Lumley as our starting goalkeepers for the last two seasons but I just don't think it's it's warranted he's improved he has improved and I don't think people are giving him enough credit for that and this is coming from somebody who is who has not been a fan of Stefan but I did think a lot of what I saw yesterday was very very reactionary and very over the top yes he had a bad game but that doesn't dismiss the improvement that he's had and I don't think it's justification for Liam Roberts to come in on boxing there but that's how football works isn't it you can have five or six especially as a keeper you can have five or six good games where you certainly haven't been bad and then as soon as you are you're the worst thing that everyone's seen so (laughs) yeah it's it it is what it is with Stefan but I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't drop him Tom what's your thoughts on the on the Stefan situation 
I also wouldn't drop him. And I think the key word there was reactionary. Um, no one's really said anything about Stefan in the first six games under under Carrick, I think it is. Um, I think the only thing that was actually brought up was against Luton, he maybe dwelled on the ball a little bit too long at one point and the clearance went into whoever it was up front, back and then into the side net. And, but other than that, he is an important part of how we play. Um you know, we tend to be using him a lot more, as Dan has just said there, with the ball at his, at his feet at the back and, and using his his um, uh, strength in, in distribution. I think you, you drop him for Robert, who, don't get me wrong, is, has still played well since uh, when, when he's came into the team. Um, his distribution is not as much of a strength as it is for Stefan. Um, so, you know, Stefan's vital to this system and... Like like Dennis just said that it's 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 reactionary. Um you you have a bad game as a as a goalkeeper and suddenly uh Joel Lumley, Matt is better than but he he's on honestly not being that, that bad. i I think the the six games when no one's really talked about him, that's what you want as a goalkeeper. It's that kind of thing where if no one's speaking about you, you're doing your job well, and also the defence are doing their job well because it's mm. I mean you're you're being spoken about and being praised that you made loads of saves that you don't really have to have to make. Um, I, I, I like to stress just not getting carried away with that re- result yesterday. You know, before that we've came off off a win against another team who've just been relegated last season and then Luton, who are a strong team, uh, who were in the playoffs last season and then you go into arguably the best team in the league. Uh, Lewis like that, fair enough. Stefan had a, had, had a bad game, but you, you have a bad game against the best team in the league. You know, he could come back into the team against Wigan, not have too much to do and then no one's going to be mentioning it again. Um I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's just because we've been doing so well recently and then we've uh, went there and been outplayed that people are just like, well, what's going on there? But no, it's, it's not on... Well, obviously, Stefan had a bad game, but it, it, it's not totally on him and it's it's not fair to kind of drop him after one bad performance. Yeah, it, it's not. Like, I think, you know, like you were saying, that time you hit the nail on the head, if no one's talking about you, then you're doing, you're doing something, right? Especially as a goalkeeper. And look... Everyone has bad games, man. I think it's highlighted more than just because you're a goalkeeper than any than anything. You know, I think you can break down yesterday's game and there's there's plenty of mistakes being made throughout throughout the game. And that's and that is football. Like, you know what I mean? When you're an outside outside player, you're gonna make about 10, 15 mistakes in a game, probably. Positionally not perfect, making like a bad pass. But if you're a goalkeeper, obviously it's a higher error and uh, if you make a mistake then a lot of teams are normally punished for it, but I would probably stick with Stefan for the time being. Hasn't done anything wrong the last few games, and hopefully we can continue to do that. But if he is playing out from the back, his distribution's really good. We need to be better as a team, as collective, to play that certain way. Like when it comes back to like the second balls and stuff, we're trying to play out yesterday. We just weren't good enough at playing out from the back, and that is an issue for Michael Carrick and his coaching staff to solve, rather than just Stefan, because he's come from a a place who are outstanding at playing out from the back and beating presses. So I don't know. But let's move on to questions then because each week you send us in your questions from Twitter uh, or email, the board breakdown at hotmail.com 
or joining our Telegram chat with over 300 Borough fans talking everything, probably Borough at the moment. Um, <laughs> then when we talk about more of like the game inside of things with Tom being a fantastic player and football manager at the moment. Isn't that right, Tom? <laughs> um, and Tom, I'm going to stick with you because the first question, it's from Dom and he says, how did that happen and how do we stop it happening again? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I mean, it happened because we played the best team in the league away from home. Uh, we stop it happening again by continuing to play our way, getting better at it, and then battering them when they come to the Riverside <laughs> later in the season. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll stick with you then. So the second question is from Tom Muldown. He says, do you expect us to sign many first-team players in January or will it be squad options, Don? <laughs> <laughs> well, from what I gathered from the Kieran Scott interviews, it's going to be first-team players and we've got areas already identified that we want to improve on. Um, I know the numbers thrown around, and I think it was an article from the Gazette, said three players, possibly four, but we won't be too good if we miss out on the fourth. Um, I think it'll be three first-team players. Um, it's you know, obviously good to know that with this, this new kind of structure that we have, um, we've already kind of identified these targets. Um, and then there was a bit of like um, depth given into how you know, those targets are decided on. Carrick obviously has a say in it and uh you know Kieran Scott and Chris Jones uh obviously making their input into it as well. Um I think it I'm expecting not big things from this window because it, it's free players. You can't 
really kind of expect massive amounts from recruitment on on free players. But yeah, I, I, I'm I think it's going to be a little bit more uh, cohesive than the than the summer window for sure. Uh, at least I would hope so because we've been saying that for the last two seasons, and then uh, Warnock and Wilder both. Uh, had fits about the types of players that we were trying to sign, but it, it definitely doesn't seem like Carrick's going to be that that type of uh, head coach. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a bit more cohesive and um, yeah, three first team players, I would imagine. And hopefully he doesn't take it all lads to the pub because they're a great talent. <laughs> uh, shout out to Tony Pulis uh, for that one. Uh, Dana, another question from Tom, and he says, uh, well, it was second part already, and he said, should we send any or all of our loan players back? Not all of them, but I'd be... You know what? I was thinking about this, because we sort of touched on it last week about Rodrigo Muniz, but I completely forgot that Alex Moore existed, despite the fact that he's been on the bench throughout the entirety of Michael Carrick's era so far. And it's an interesting one with him, because my understanding is that West Brom wanted him off the wage bill, quite clearly. And what? How will they sort of respond if Borough to, were to go back and and try to to find a mutual agreement to to terminate that loan? Because I think I was reading something in the Athletic. West Brom are in dire straits at the moment in terms of finance financially, and I think they're crying out for new ownership and new blood, new finances being put into that club. So I mean, I don't think that sending Alex Moore back is going to liquidate them I think let's not be dramatic but they obviously sent him out on loan for a reason for a financial reason I just I don't know about that but I I also don't see how he gets into that side because this is no longer a square pegs in square holes or round pegs in round holes sort of situation we don't necessarily need left footers on the left anymore because we've got two right footed midfielders in the centre of that uh, that team so I don't know where he fits in and I can't really see his minutes really improving, to be honest, because you've got Paddy McNair on the bench as well. You could probably upgrade Alex Moore in January, but then Rodrigo Minas as well. Again, I know he came on yesterday, but what more came on before him? Um, Crooks came on before him in the last game. Crooks came on before him in the game before that. So I don't really know. Where... I mean, things can change, can't they? Things can change. In January, Rodrigo Minas might well be propelled into being a um a, a more used asset by Carrick, but them two are definitely the ones. Um, I think Stefan's going to stay because replacing a goalkeeper uh, in this time of the year in January is difficult. I know Liam Roberts is obviously there, but I would imagine Borough would probably be, if they do get rid of Stefan in a very unlikely situation, they would probably bring in another keeper and that's difficult to do. So yeah, for me, Moore and, and Muniz, it, to be honest, if they were to leave, I don't think anybody would be particularly bothered because um, yeah. they just haven't really set the world alight here, unfortunately, for them. No, I'm surprised by Rodrigo Muniz as well because at the start of the season under Wilder, he looked really good. Like really good. Um, I thought he was going to fit in really well, but change of managers, different ideas, and you get caught in the in the fold of it all, and some things just don't work out. Unfortunately for him, but you know, I think I agree with you. Then I think Alex Mountain and Rodrigo Minas probably be the most likely people to to go back. But the the final question is from Gokul, and he says, "Do you think it would be better or worse if we didn't go up this season?" Saying this, as it's still very possible to do so through the playoffs, given the level of other teams, but I think this may harm us as we'd have no real chance of staying up, even with the Premier League, and it would also be Carrick's first 
full season as manager. So to both of you, really, um, do you think it would be better or worse if we didn't go up this season? Tom, do you want to go first on on this one? Yeah, I mean, there's advantages to both, really. And I personally, because um, I, I, I can see what, what he means, but I'm tired of this kind of same question every season, really. Uh, well, it seems like every season at the moment, uh, because, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's like we're part finished a rebuild would it be better or worse if we go up you know when Wilder first came in it was uh, another rebuild would it be better or worse if we still go up um now it's the same with Carrick if we go up we got Premier League money we can work on the rebuilds a lot faster um fair enough it would be Carrick's full first full season as manager but he'd have got us there he'd have deserved that chance to, to manage in the Premier League and I think a lesson to be learned from the last time we were there, he would deserve the chance to bring us back up if we went down. Um, that being said, we're mid-rebuild again. Um, <laughs> I, I know we're, um, we're, we're, as we've said earlier, looking at a few players to, to sign in January. We're still uh, kind of learning the Michael Carrick system. Ideally, we want to get... We'll, the point where we're playing it so well that we can go somewhere like Burnley and not have the game dictated to us. Um, so it's not the end of the world if we don't go up again. You know, there's, there's still a ways to go in this journey, but it, it wouldn't be a bad thing if we if we did manage to reach the playoffs and, and, and go up this season. Dana, would you echo that? Yeah, it's a... It's a difficult question, isn't it? Because yes, you do have that war chest of money when you when you get promoted, but it doesn't necessarily equate to success. And success is subjective, isn't it? Especially when you go up. But for me, I'd much rather Borough's journey, and I know that's probably I mean I'm bored of that word to be honest, but we'll just say journey. I would I would like that to, to play out a little bit more naturally rather than being thrust up on the Premier League quite quickly. I, I get what Tom's saying about the fact that you can, you know, that the process will be quickened up a little bit because of the, the resources, the money that you have. But I'd much rather Carrick just embed those foundations, understand exactly what he needs from this this team exactly what he wants from this team and then go from there I, I just I don't I don't know whether people agree with this but I don't care about the Premier League I don't mm. I love the championship I think it's a wonderful wonderful league it throws up so many incredible crazy ridiculous bonkers narratives so from my perspective as a fan I can wait for the Premier League I can you know I've had the taste of it albeit not that much and I think it's a, it's it's not the promised land that I think is, to be honest. And that's not me saying that I want Borough to stay in the Championship forever because from a club perspective, a business perspective, it's much better if Borough in the Premier League because of the money we get and the revenue we get. But I would much rather it play out naturally and Borough sort of just build up. And if that means staying in the Championship, then so be it. I'm fine with that. Cool. Um, I think, yeah, I think with you guys, I think it's, it's very... It's not a linear path, is it? I think, you know, we were talking about success and previously what is defined success for Millsbury Football Club. Is it to be a sustainable football club and have standard different revenues from different parts of the club? 
having a, like a really good resale value on players and being a much more sustainable team, which isn't going to be here for now. We're not just 10 years, but 20, 50 or 100 years time. And it's going to be sustainable throughout that. That could be success for you. But for Borough, like if, look, if we went up this year, which I don't think we will, um, which you can come back to me in May if we do. If, if <laughs> but, um, I think if if we did go up, it's not. I don't. I'm Tom, and some to some extent, like it's not a bad thing. You're in the promised land or promised land with all the money you're going to get and the resources you're going to get. And yep, you're going to get more exposure. Carrick will get more exposure as a coach. It'd be Michael Carrick's Millsbury with Jonathan Woodgate. You know, like two big players have, have taken this team from mediocrity under under Chris Wilder to successful team. And I can see the, I can see the narrative now. It's gonna. I can see Gary Neville talking about it on on Monday Night Football, and then, um, but and but I think if we were to go up that year, yes, it's progress, and if we got relegated, that's still good progress because you get the resources, you come back down, and you refill it, and then you come back up again, you stay try and be a bit more sustainable in a couple of years. But it doesn't. I think it doesn't really matter, does it? And as long as you can see progress on the pitch and off the pitch, fans will be happy with that. I think you know everyone wants results each week. I want to win every week, but. I just know it's not sustainable or it's ever going to happen. So we'll see. Um, but I think at the moment, if you had a gun in my head, how would you want it to play out? I'd be similar to you, Dana. Like playoffs, if we could get it this year, it'd be great. If not, next year, we kind of have to try and go for it. But we're being in the championship for so long now. It's just like, <laughs> well, we don't have the right to kind of say, you know what, we're going to be in promotion places this year. We're going to do all this because we just haven't ever done it really. And it's only I'll tell you what. One manager still in it. The best part of, you know, being in the championship is that promotion ride, isn't it? And it kind mm. of, a lot of the time, just because of the football landscape nowadays and the the power, the pull, the resources that other clubs have in, that are more established in the top division, it's really likely to just fall off a cliff from there. So um, there was a an article I read many, many years ago and it's stayed rent-free in my head ever since and I've been so annoyed I can't find it. But it was basically talking about that, I'm going to say journey again, but that journey, that build-up to the Premier League and the best parts, the absolute best parts when I think about our promotion to the Premier League, I don't even think about that Premier League season because it was all about that promotion the the highs, the lows, the Karanka fallout, the the Bolton winner, the Hull winner, the Reading winner, the pandemonium, the scenes at Birmingham away when Ayala scored the goal that never was because the referee was from Burnley and it was that whole conspiracy theory. But like that's why I don't really care so much about the Premier League. I don't really watch Premier League. The only reason I watch Premier League is because of fantasy Premier League, FPL. That's mm. the only reason I watch Premier League football. So I would I just like it to I just like us to build up like what we saw under Karanka when he came in mid-season, steadied the ship. Next season, let's go for the playoffs. Season after that, let's go for for promotion. That's what I want it want, want to see. So this season, I'm fine just being mid-table. That's what Borah are. Borah are a mid-table team, and mm. I'm, I've just accepted that, and that's fine. We'll put that question out on on Twitter and our social media this week. I think to see what Borah fans want. I mean, everyone wants promotion, but we'll see what success is for them this year but let's move on uh to the praise and place because the present place is the pr- place we like to give praise to dana's pink hair or tom <laughs> <laughs> or to- tom's food choice last night and or going out with me and him and uh what else can we talk about in terms of which needs praise um tom got another idea what needs praise 
<sighs> Johnny's hosting skills. My hosting yeah. skills. Oh, you, know, you, know, no, you know what? That cauliflower cheese last night we had last night, Tom, that was just <laughs> oh, I didn't absolutely... have any. Oh, he didn't have any. I was good. Oh, oh well. <laughs> I'll tell you, no, it was fantastic. But anyway, we'll go to the present place. Uh, Dana Malt, who gets your place in the present place this week? Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? I think I'm going to go for a bit of a cop-out answer and say the fans because it looked absolutely Baltic. It was, it's mm. been freezing. We have been frozen in ice, I think, over the past like two weeks or so, and the two thousand two hundred of them to to go there and make that trip. It's difficult, isn't it? Because when we went to Blackburn, my goodness, I've never endured a, a car journey quite like that. Home, um, going there and, and going home. Um, obviously it's the, the same neck of the woods so yeah I'd say the fans and also somebody did mention to me Dom mentioned to me I think it was Dom uh, one of our listeners that uh, they've replaced the TVs in Turf Moor <laughs> hallelujah I mean, it so, couldn't have been uh, any worse Jesus Christ then in 2003 <laughs> the last time and you know, that was honest what, to like... God you, you and Els absolutely took the mickey out of me for saying 2003 but they were the exact tvs that they were using at turf Moor back in 2005 so hey at least they've upgraded them i know but yeah like it was like 2003 me and elliot were looking at each other saying like well 2003 wasn't you were thinking like 1980 weren't you but not yeah those 2003 tvs trust me i'm surprised they didn't have a pink one to you know play some ps2 game on or whatever but oh there was something else PS2 is a good time, Dynamol. Don't you dare slag off the PS2. Yeah, they had dance in the concourse yesterday. Dance mine the concourse. I remember that little PlayStation like play camera used to have as well. Remember that? No, I didn't have one of them. No, I didn't have one of those. I had one back in the day. It was the glory days. 2002, that one, Johnny. Yeah, 2002. Okay, I'll take that then. But the glory days of gaming. Um... Thomas Green, who gets your place in Prison Place this week? Well, I was going to say nobody, but I feel like now that Dana said the said the fans, I, I'm also going to go with the fans. It was Baltic yesterday, and for the price they have to pay for them tickets, I mean, I got offered the chance yeah. to go, and I was like, thirty quid to go to Turf Moor? Nah, I can't justify that. I'll, I'll go to uh, I got a Blackburn instead. Um, <laughs> That stand's not worth thirty quid, so <laughs> I will. Uh, I will say the say the fans for for paying that money and and, and going to uh, Baltic Burnley on a Saturday. Okay then, uh, I will go to Duncan Watmore um, for my place in the present place because you know I am quick to slag him off at times, and yes, I just think that he's a runner um, and just presses and loves it. Um, <laughs> but for for me, he comes on sometimes. He just impacts games and. I've I've enjoyed him coming off the bench over like the last couple of weeks um, under Carrick's tenure. And I feel like he should stay there because he brings a lot into like the final third of the game, and he's you know he's been a really good servant for us over like the last few seasons, and I think he's just been so valuable in terms of what he's brought uh, in that time and what he's gonna he's continuing to bring, and maybe he could be someone that you know leaves in the summer or in the January. But for me, like he's been really, really good servant for us, and I think he just deserves that place in the present place. And his finish yesterday, I'll, I'll be, it was a bit like you know, tame. It's still found a way, and Duncan Watmore always finds a way. Doesn't matter where it is, Watmore will find a way, and he deserves a lot of praise for that. So well done, Duncan. You are my place in the present place this week. But 
let's move on to Wigan then because Borough have their second uh, Lancaster team. Uh, if, you know, we have a Lancaster triangle at the moment because, you know, we play Burnley. Now we've got Wigan. And then after that, we've got Blackburn as well. So the second Lancaster team we play. Um, Cole Ture and Kevin Betty are in charge at Wigan now. And it's kind of, the tail's been flipped on its head since we last played Wigan because they were mid-table under Liam Richardson and we were in the bottom three. And the tables have turned their second bottom um, and play Sheffield United on the Monday uh, so they could have had a result depending on when you listen to this podcast. But they are playing a 4-2-3-1. Will Keane is still the top goal scorer with 10 um, goals and contributions, or so 10 goals and assists, like, collected together. Max Power and Jack Watmore are my two standouts to, to watch. Max Power is playing that central midfield role, and Jack, pa- uh, Jack Watmore, who got rinsed by Duncan Watmore. Um, while I was speaking to Barry from from the Progress for Unity podcast this morning, um, he said hasn't been the place since, so... Wow. He's probably going to have an absolute Ruined by Duncan. Yeah, what more killing a what more? Um, mm. I mean, <laughs> watch it. He'll have an absolute blinder. But we're going to have a show dedicated to Wigan coming out on uh, on Thursday with Barry from the Progress Review and Eaton. It's a, such a good Wigan podcast. Um, Barry's absolutely amazing. So we thought we'd give him a show dedicated to him. Um, but their style of play in now is a little bit different to Liam Richardson's side. It's a lot more progressive in terms of they're trying to get the ball up to the striker a little bit quicker. It's a bit more faster-paced possession style. Um, so, and he started off quite well. One win, one draw. But who knows where Colo Torre will be come the end of the season because they look like they're struggling at 23rd position. But I do really like Wigan. I think they've got a good set of fans, really passionate bunch. Um, and they always do a good pie every time I've been at the ground. I was thinking so that just you, then. So, so there you go. Um, pie, Wigan pie. Yeah. Hmm. They're kind of like my second. If you had to have a second team in the championship, I think mine would be Wigan. I quite like mine. Wigan. Would be Derby County. Oh yeah, that's a that's a joke, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you were you, you were sat there looking at me like I had I like, about six heads. I was like, yeah, have you that... been dro- have you? I was like, have you been dropped on your head since you got your hair cut or something? Yeah. Because you hate mm. Derby County with an mm-hmm. absolute passion. I feel like we've got two hundred <laughs> episodes. Just of you slagging off, yeah, two thousand episodes <laughs> of you slagging off Derby County. But mm. predictions for Boxing Day: we have had Christmas, we've been full of Christmas dinner, um, and all the holiday season, we'll have just killed everyone because everyone will be full and just sick of beer. Um, but <laughs> predictions, Tom, what do you think? I'm going to go two nil uh, to us. I think. Although uh, it does look like Colo Tour is, you know, bringing in a, a better style and they, they look to be getting results pretty much straight away, I'm hoping that home advantage and the strength of the squad and the fact that we've been playing this way a little bit longer than they have is going to make the difference there. I'm expecting it to be a totally, totally different game to the away game. Um, I, I think they, they will come and, and give us a game. I just think we'll, we'll get one early on and then probably another one late on. Okay, 2-0. Denimal, what do you think? Blockbuster 3-0 Borough, I think. It seems like whenever we play on Boxing Day, we bring it a lot of the time, um, especially at the Riverside. So, yeah, I'm going to go 3-0 to kind of capitalise on their difficult form and just the way that their season sort of plateaued a little bit. And I think that we will be back on track with an emphatic 3-0 victory. I wish I could go two and a half now. Um, just come to the bog, like crosses halfway over the line or something. Over um, 2.5 goals, that's what you Yeah, I'll, I'll go over 2.5 <laughs> goals, mate. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going 2 0, Tom, as well, because I think it's going to be one of those games which you pretty much 
called as well. I think we, we need to score early for me. Try and get a foothold in the game, make things difficult, make them try and play out a little bit more, create this, get, get the space in behind them, and hopefully uh, we'll go on and, and be a comfortable winners. But hopefully we'll be further up the table as well and it'll be all sunshine and rainbows coming into January. But guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. 200 episodes of Borough Breakdown. We know we've been there, done it, and mourned a lot during that time. But here's to another 200 episodes. And to the listeners and viewers who are watching us, on YouTube or listen to us on your podcast provider. Have a great Christmas. We will be back on Thursday and we'll have another podcast over the festive period as well, dissecting the games against Wigan and Blackburn. But for right now, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.